0: God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This girl, her her mother was dying. And it's never good uh, to lose a loved one. It's very hard, in fact, to lose a loved one. But something made it harder for her. Every time someone would come by and try to, to give her reassurance and try to give her comfort, it always felt like there wasn't any comfort there. Because every time people came by... They would say things like, it'll be okay, you just have to be strong, everything will be fine. And Every time she heard that, she thought to herself, what what makes you, what gives you the authority to say everything will be fine? And and sometimes it doesn't seem like it'll be fine, sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm strong enough, and so it just made it harder for these generic reassurances, these generic pick-me-ups. And one day, her mother did die. And again, people came by, tried to comfort her, and, and, and said, it's okay, um, it will pass, with time it will all heal, and it just made it feel hard and difficult because there was, seemed no empathy there. There was no personal message, there was nothing there that really gripped that young lady, and so at the end of the day, it was almost better if no one said anything at all. Because they didn't really understand. It was hard for them. It was hard for people to get beyond that generic, it'll be okay. Something that we, we love to have, it's that generic response that we have for every single person because we don't know every single person's situation, and so we have these built-in responses where we don't have to really dig deep into someone's life and figure out what they're going through, and so we generally say, it'll be fine Be strong. It's okay. But sometimes generic isn't good enough. Today, in our lesson, we find Elijah in the middle of a desert. If you happen to be walking aimlessly into the desert, you might happen to walk by Elijah. And if you happen to walk by his broom tree, you might happen to see him laying down there almost as if he was just dead. Elijah was in the middle of the desert, so defeated, so so lifeless that he didn't want to get up and take one more step. He didn't want to move. He wanted to lay there. In fact, he went out a day's journey into the desert and turned and sat down to God and said, Take my life. It's too much for me. Take my life. Everything that I've been working for, it's come to nothing. It's too much for me because Elijah, he went through so much for God and so much for God's people that it ended up that he invested so much that when it all failed, he had nothing. This was his work. He was a great prophet to Israel. Israel. He was going to preach to Israel repentance, to come back to God because they had fallen away. They have gone to false teachers, to false prophets, to false idols, and they are all worshiping under this false god called Baal. And they had this wicked king and queen. And Elijah was passionate for his people. He went constantly to his people, pleading for them, trying to win their hearts back to the Lord, saying, repent of your sins, Here's your faithful God. He loves you. Put aside all this wickedness and this falsehood and this false worship and worship the one true God. And he put everything into it. He put his time. He put his emotions into it. He absolutely loved these people. He had a heart for them to win them back. But the problem or the issue with investing so much is that when it fails, you're left with nothing. Elijah was willing to do this to the nth degree for his Lord. Dedicating his life, his time, his emotions. He would, he would even put his keys, his house keys in there if he, he knew this was going to be good for his, his people, for Israel. And yet we find him there under a broom tree. Shocking, because Elijah just experienced one of the most amazing symbols of God's power. He stood on the top of Mount Carmel, and he prayed that God would send fire down, and God did. A fire that not only consumed the sacrifice on the altar that he built, not only the wood, but also the the stones and the water that was poured all over it. After the fire was done, there was nothing. It was consumed. And it wasn't like Elijah was alone, and he wasn't the only one to see this. This wasn't a Moses moment, a burning bush moment, where only Moses saw the burning bush, and then he had to go tell people. It wasn't a moment like Abraham, when God appeared to Abraham making a covenant, where he had to go tell people about it. It wasn't Paul seeing heaven and he had to go tell people about it. Elijah was standing on Mount Carmel and there were thousands of people that were there. They all saw it. And it happened right after Elijah made a challenge to the prophets of Baal. And they failed. They tried to call their God and they couldn't. Their God did nothing at all. And so this moment for Elijah was showing every single person there That the Lord God Almighty is the one true God. And he would have bet his life on it. That there is something that was going to change. This would be the thing that changes it. But then we see Elijah in the desert. Under a broom tree. Praying to God. Take my life. What happened? Certainly people recognized that God was powerful. And for a moment they, they, they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But in the next moment, the wicked queen came said, If I see you in my nation, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And no one stepped up. Now, one person stepped up to defend Elijah after he had done this amazing thing as he stood on the, the, the mountain and as he demonstrated, as God demonstrated his wonderful power, consuming power of fire from heaven. Now, one person stepped up and said, Elijah, we got your back. Even though she's threatening you, we're here, we trust you, we trust our God. Instead, Elijah goes, he drops his servant off at Beersheba, he wanders into the desert. And so, what are you going to say to Elijah? If you happen to walk by him. It's okay, Elijah. Everything's fine. You got to be strong, Elijah. Wasn't he strong? He was going up against a nation. It'll all be okay, Elijah. I'm sure Elijah wouldn't have reacted to any of those statements. Still, he would probably would have said, Take my life I don't see this going any further I, I was at the, the peak of God's power and I'm sure he was smiling as that fire came down as he felt the heat on his face and as he thought what would happen that this would be a revival this would be a change this would be a transformation in Israel but it didn't so whatever could and so there it was Elijah by himself, alone. Then God sends an angel. Angel comes to him and he doesn't give any generic response or some half-witted comfort. Instead, says, All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much. You see the angel and how he reacts. You don't see it instantly, but you actually see a a challenge, a difference in message that Elijah is bringing as a messenger of God and this angel is bringing. This was Elijah's message there's no more hope. For these people, there's no hope. And for me, as a messenger to these people, there there is no purpose for me anymore. There is no hope for me anymore. Take my life; I'm done. And the only thing worse than being hopeless is being hopeless and actually sticking around to feel that hopelessness. And that's why Elijah so desperately wants to leave and be gone and be done. And then there's this angel who brings a different message. A message that's very subtle, but very strong. Who sits there and gives him bread and water. Touches him and says, get up and eat. Again, he does the same thing. Bread and water. Says, the journey's too much for you. Get up and eat. In that moment, this angel is telling Elijah, there is hope. There's hope for you. You need to keep on going. That kind of happens in our lives too, where we get to be like Elijah. Maybe to to a lesser degree, where we we look around at our lives, our church, our ministry, the the church as a whole, and we we feel some sort of hopelessness. Because we've, we've tried before, We've actually had very good times where we stood up and we shared the Christ with other people through our actions, through our words, and through, through our service to people. And we think that this, this high point is going to propel us onto the next stage to get people to come and follow the, the word of God to hear about their Savior. But then it all plummets down to nothing. We think to ourselves, it's It's hopeless. We step back, we wander into a desert. We wonder, why go on? Or, in fact, we are just like Elijah. Maybe not in a desert, but maybe we are, we're at home curled up in our bed and we think, Lord, it would be better for you to take my life. What am I worth? It would be easier for everyone around me if you just took me now. It would be better on the world if you, you just removed me from it. Take my life because I have... I have invested so much emotion and time. And here I am with nothing. Take my life, Lord. We curl up under a broom tree, hopeless. But then God comes to us. Not with generic pick-me-up, not be strong, or it'll be okay, or it's fine. But it comes to us in a very personal way. You see, that first time the angel fed Elijah, he gave him bread and water. But notice what it says about that bread. Bread cooked over hot coals. God could have immediately caused bread come, to come from the air and, and feed Elijah, but he took the time to sit down, that, the angel, and cook that bread over hot coals and give it to Elijah. This was personal. This was the angel empathizing with Elijah. This was God empathizing with Elijah. The same thing, God empathizing with us. There isn't anything generic about it. God makes the the thing that we need, he makes the fix that we so desperately need and he, he empathizes with us and he gives it to us and he says, here's my son. Any person who says, I think my life is better if I'm not here in this world, anyone who thinks, Lord, it's not worth it going on, the world would be better without me, is wrong. Because only one person could say that and actually mean it. Christ. Only one person could say, take my life, it would be better. Christ. Not because he is hopeless, not not because he is empty, not because he is broken, not because he has invested so much in this, his his emotions, his time, but because this is empathy. Then him dying on the cross He has prepared this meal for you. This meal of of hope. A meal that as we we eat it, the, the spiritual frustrated person in us, our spiritually damaged soul, stands up and says, I can go. I can keep going. Because Christ has given me himself. That's what it says in our gospel lesson. He says, I am the bread. Eat this and you will live. He gives us himself, not some generic patch that will fix everything, but as he went to the cross, he went knowing who you are and what you've done. And as he, he hung on the cross, he knew every one of our sins and he held them on his back and he died for them. And so preparing for us exactly the food, the nutrition that we need. This is for you. And it's a battle of messages. Our own message versus God's message. Elijah's message versus the the Lord God Almighty's message. Elijah anticipated that this would make change, revival, transformation. And when it didn't, he was disappointed. God knew what would happen. And actually, if you look at God, you kind of could understand what happens. God works in mysterious ways. There are big things that happen, and then the result is, is not what we expect, but yet God still is there, and he still gives us hope. Our lives we expect God to do certain things and this to be the outcome. And yet God says, I work in mysterious ways. You think of one outcome, here's my message. You know what? It's going to be different. It's going to be mind-boggling to you. But it's for you. It's right for you. And Then when we begin to understand that, we begin to Imagine exactly what Christ has done for us. There is where hope really is. God never called us to transform a city. He never called us to to bring thousands of, of prospects in. He never said, these are the results that you need to have. Instead, he says this. Understand what I've done for you first. I have personally, empathetically, compassionately given you everything that your soul needs in my death for you on the cross, this I in the body. And then I ask you, just be faithful. That's all you need to do. Don't expect something to happen. Just be faithful. As you carry out my work of the teaching and preaching and baptized, God will work his mysterious ways, but you are faithful. He may not work a great thing in you. He may not transform thousands of lives because of you. He says, I still work through you because you are faithful to me. There is a message. Our message of thinking glorious results God's message of thinking his results, which end in glory. There are battling messages. There is where we find hope when we hear God's message and we put aside our own and say, I invest my time, my emotions in you, but I trust that whatever you do, it's good. Even when I don't see it as good. So when I'm curled up like Elijah is and I'm saying Lord take my life we, we step back again and say the only person that should say that is Christ. Because as I am here as I have breath in my lungs and a beat in my heart God says get up. Eat. Go. Just like he did for Elijah. There's a message that God wants us to hear. Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand.